This morning, I want to look at the witness of excellence. We are all witnesses about the light. If you've been following in our evening services with the Gospel of John, we know that Jesus is the light, and in the light there is life. And uh, we are to bear witness, just as John the Baptist did, about the light. So we have a witness. If we, are, if we say we are Christian, if we say we are a believer, we have a witness. We, we know that what that means if we aren't behaving properly and people look at our lives and see that we are drunkards and fornicators and all the rest of that, we're not going to have a very good witness. But part of our witness too is excellence. If we are good at what we do, if we are excellent, it can be a craft, a talent, a gift, it can be encouraging one another, it can be administration, whatever it is. If we are excellent at what we do, that is a good witness. That helps our witness. Some of us are good at something, some are not good at some things. Some of us are really good, some of us are really not good. And we might even say that some of us excel at certain things. Among us, we might have some brilliant painters, mechanics, teachers, mothers and fathers, astrophysicists, encouragers and carers, nurses, sports people, drug dealers. I saw somebody nodding here, who was that? <laughs> Point is, some of us have potential to excel at certain things, and some of us don't excel as much as other people, but that doesn't matter. Because we are chasing something else, we never do excel. Uh, but like I said, it doesn't matter because only what's done for Christ will last. And so when we're doing what we're doing, are we doing it for ourselves? Are we doing it for other people? Or are we doing it for the creator of the heavens and the earth? Who has given us these things to do? Who has blessed us with the gifts and talent? Who has blessed us with the work of our hands? This is a quote from Martin Luther, the original one, the great reformer. And he said this, the Christian shoemaker does his duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes. Because God is interested in good craftsmanship. Now some of us might disagree with the statement because our job is to bear witness about the light. Jesus told his disciples, go into the world and make more disciples. So surely if I can use my craft to witness... You know, if I can put little crosses on the shoes, and if that's good witness, isn't that better than just making a good shoe? Well, let me put it to you. What happens if you make a good shoe with a little cross on, metaphorically speaking? Even better, what if people came to the cross, to the cross, by seeing, wow, this guy is talented at making shoes? Sounds very far-fetched, but my point is this. Christian excellence is something for which we should strive. Not in the sense of being a good Christian, you know, going to church, paying tithes, being helpful, being friendly, you know, <laughs> la-di-da, this kind of thing, which is what, what we should aim for. But it's not about being a good person and good works because we know that's not going to save us, even though we should do it. But I'm talking about doing or excelling rather with what, with what God has given us, okay? God has given us the stuff to do. Am I just going to do it? Or am I going to do it properly? Am I going to do it well? Am I going to be excellent because he is excellent? We see here in 1 Peter 2 verse 9. 
Peter writes, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And the Greek word translated praise here in the NIV, some of you might say the excellencies of him. The word talks about moral goodness. So we are called out of darkness, out of the sinful light, out of, sorry, the sinful world, into his light, into his life. Therefore, since we are no longer in the darkness, we become reflectors of that wonderful light. We reflect his glory, we reflect his goodness. It's not our own. We know we aren't righteous, but we reflect him, his light, and his righteousness. And part of that is declaring his moral goodness. Through Christ who has redeemed us from that sinful nature, we are now able to show forth his glory into the world. So without Christ, what good would it be that we are excellent at some things? If we are supposed to reflect his light, if we are supposed to shine forth his glory, what good is it if we are good at something without him? Or what good is it if we have him and we aren't good at what we are supposed to be doing? I'm not saying we have to be the best. But I'm saying, do your best. Amen? God has given us things to do. Talents, gifts, crafts, work of our hands, minds to think, bodies to do, whatever it has to be. Now, if we are called into his wonderful light to reflect his light, why are we not striving to be good at the things with which he has given us? That's part of our witness, being who he has made us, who he has ordained us to be. So by being good at what we do, we are declaring God's great power, his excellence, his praises, and his goodness, because he gave those things to us. That's the heart of this message today. Be good at what you do, because God has given that to you, to do. Our witness is important. So if we want to be an excellent witness, we have to be excellent at the things we do. I'm going to look at a couple of scriptures, just randomly. <laughs> randomly picked and choose, I went like this, and yeah, that one, now I'm playing with you. But we're going to look at a couple examples, a couple principles that we can glean from you. And I've got three lessons. And the first one is this. We should focus on God and not man. So when we are aspiring to be excellent, we need to be excellent for God, not for man. That's the difference here. We can be excellent shoemakers. And yes, people can you know, be happy with our shoes that we make. But we're not making good shoes for people. We are making good shoes for God. Now that sounds a bit strange. God's not going to wear the shoes, is he? No, he's not. But by making good shoes, other people are going to see that excellence. Other people are going to give glory to God. Maybe not as blatantly as that, but this is the order of things. And I'm not saying this is what happens all the time. You can be the best uh, TED Talk lecturer. You, know, you can give the most encouraging motivational speeches all the time. All right? You can be really excellent at motivational speaking. And at the end of your life, Maybe one person will have come to Christ through your excellent speaking. Was it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely it was worth it. That was one person that God touched 
through your excellence, through your witness. It has to be about God, not about us. We cannot be excellent and God can still reach people. But our witness is important and that's why we need to focus on God. Why do we do what we do? Why are we good and enjoy uh, doing it? You might have a stone cold, unflinching, unreadable poker face and be the world's best gambler. Is that for God? You might be the world's best shoemaker. Is that for God? You might be the greatest evangelist and be able to explain the Bible like nobody else. Is that for God? Do you see the pattern here? Some things are a little bit more clear cut than others. You know, gambling, drug dealing, playing FIFA online very well. It's probably not meaningful if we're talking about our witness for God. Then we get to a little bit more difficult things to determine. How do I glorify God by being an accountant? How do I glorify God by fixing things? How do I glorify God by being an articulate reader? So the issue in question here is one of priorities and focus. Why am I doing what I am doing? For whom am I doing what I am doing? Is it for God or is it for man? The issue in question is one of priorities and focus in the things that we do. In John 3, we read the account of John the baptizer doing his work. Some people came to him and basically said, look man, this Jesus guy, is here. he's doing all this Messiah stuff now. You are irrelevant. You know, the Christ is here. You are now irrelevant. And this is what John had to say. John 3, 27, 30. He replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. A person can only receive what is given to them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. John the Baptist was good at what he did. Okay, we can be confident that he was good at what he did. So good, in fact, that he upset the king because he called him out and he lost his head. So <laughs> he was good at what he, what he did. And what does he say when Jesus is kind of taking that attention away from him? He must become greater. I must become less. A person can only receive what is given to them from heaven. We can only use our gifts and talents meaningfully when they come from God. If they come from us, if we do them for ourselves, yes, things can happen. Things might happen and things do happen. We know lots of successful, excellent people. But was that for man or was that for God? Priority and focus of our work should be to demonstrate God's glory. Simply the result of us doing what God has given us to do is him being glorified. When, he, when we do what he has given us to do, he is glorified. 
And this, this really needs to be the priority of our lives and our hearts. Do we want the glory or are we giving God the glory? And sometimes it's, it's subtle. We don't think about it. But it, it goes deep into our hearts and our minds. It's really the foundation of everything. Am I doing this for God's glory? If you cannot answer that question, then you need to relook at what you're doing. I'm not saying change what you're doing. I'm saying relook at your focus, relook at your priority. I'm an excellent teacher. Am I teaching for God? Or am I teaching because I want other people to come to my, my classroom? I want people to say, I want to go to Auntie Simeon's classroom next day. <laughs> and how beautiful it is when we are actively doing what we do with the specific intent of glorifying God. How meaningful and beautiful and good it is when we do what God has given us to do for his glory. Can anybody you know, testify of that this morning? When you've done what you know you're doing for God's glory, don't you feel fulfilled? Don't you feel joyful? Don't you feel like you've, you're here for a reason? You've got a place here. And even if you're in the worst place that you could possibly be, in your family, in your work, wherever it is, if you know you're doing that for God, does that not trump whatever negative feelings you might have towards that situation? If we know that our gifts and talents have been given from God, then we should, be, we should desire to be excellent at what we do for Him. It comes from Him, it should be for Him. One of the greatest composers, Johann Sebastian Bach, is a good example of this. We listen to his pieces of music, we admire them, but a lot of us don't know that a lot of his composition was church music. And often he would inscribe on his work, Soli Dio Gloria, to God alone the glory. Now it's one thing just to write that on the manuscript of music, okay? Okay, this is kind of yours now, God, I'm doing this for you. But it's another thing to actively live like that. And Bach was a very, very, very good composer. He was excellent at what he did. And he knew that God had given him that gift and talent. And so he did his best. He was an ordinary man with an extraordinary God. When you have an extraordinary God, does that extraordinariness affect you? You in your ordinary state of being, does an extraordinary God inspire something in you? These are questions we need to be asking ourselves. Matthew 5, 14, 16, you're the light of the world, the town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may say, see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. How often do we put our light under a bowl. This is talking about our witness, but part of this witness is a witness of excellence. Yes, we can be living a good Christian life. Yes, we can be talking to people about God. Yes, we can be going to church and reading our Bible and spending time with Him. 
but are we also doing what he has given us to do properly? Now we look forward to that glorious day when he calls us home or when he comes back to fetch us. We look forward to eternity with him in heaven. But we are still here for a reason now. And we need to live for him now as well. We cannot neglect the fact that he has put you, each one of you, specifically in that position for a reason. You are not where you are by chance or by accident. You are not in this building by chance or by accident. You do not have the gifts and talents and work that you have by accident. Even if it was the only thing you could do at the time. And so you did it because you had to do something. That was not by chance or by accident. So the question is, what are you doing with it? Our lives should reflect his glory and power. And when they do, others will glorify God through our excellence. Maybe not every time. Maybe it's one person your whole life. But the point is there. He needs to be glorified through our excellence. We cannot be idle. We cannot sit back. We need to focus on him. And we need to do for him. Amen. Secondly, we should please God, not man. Now we all know this verse, Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though working for the Lord, not for human masters. Now let's look at the context of this. Right before that, slaves. So who is this directed to? Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eyes on you and to carry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though working for the Lord, not for you and masters. Verse after that, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. This was directed at slaves who had human masters. The principle is still there. Who of you are employed by someone? Who of you have clients and customers. In a sense, you are employed by them because you have to you know, work on their vehicle or their whatever it is. Are we trying to carry favor with man? Are we trying to be excellent for man? Are we trying to work as though we're working for man? Or even in those situations, are we doing it as though we are doing it for the Lord? Back to the example of the shoemaker. Is the shoemaker trying to make good shoes because he wants a reputation amongst the people? Is the good shoemaker making good shoes because he wants to be the best shoemaker in the land? Or is the shoemaker making good shoes simply because that's the gift and the work that God has given him to do? And his aim, his focus is God, therefore his aim is to please God and not man. It's an earthly versus eternal perspective at play here. Is our inheritance from the Lord or is our inheritance from man? Absolutely, man might give you inheritance for now. But when you close your eyes for the last time, is that inheritance going to last? If we seek man's praise and approval for the good things we do, we might become famous and rich and influential and be liked by almost everybody. And then it all goes away when you close your eyes. 
Maybe you'll be remembered and celebrated for what you did in this life. But will you be remembered and celebrated in eternity? It might be good now. Is it good then too? And yes, it can be both. We can have an excellent thing we're doing now. But are we doing it for God? And if we're doing it for God, fantastic. And you might have a completely shocking, appalling thing that you're doing now compared to other people. But you know that's what you're supposed to be doing. Are you doing that for God? Jesus said, do not store up treasures on earth. He also said, we cannot serve two masters. So the options we have here boil down to only two. Do we please God? Do we please man? Do we serve God? Do we serve man? Those are options. If you're not on Christ's team, you are against him. If you're not serving God, you're serving something that's not God. Evil. If you're not pleasing God, you're pleasing yourself and your own sinful, evil desires. So I ask, are we pursuing excellence in our gifts and talents because we seek the praise of man or are we doing it to further the praise of God? King David is a man who sought to please the Lord properly. We know he was a skilled musician and we get a glimpse of his desire to use his musical talent to serve the Lord in Psalm 69, 30 and 31. I'll praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with his horns and hooves. Talking about sacrifices there. What will please the Lord more than sacrifice? Glorifying his name. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for what? Or thanksgiving how? In song, because that, that was David's gift. For the shoemaker, thanksgiving by making good shoes. Praise him with thanksgiving by teaching as well as I can. Thanksgiving by uh, working with my hands as well as I can. Thanksgiving by encouraging others as well as I can. That pleases the Lord more than legalistic stuff. David recognizes what pleases God and he could only understand what pleased God if he knew who God was. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We cannot please God if we do not know God. We make gods of ourselves and then we try to please God, we end up pleasing ourselves. We make gods out of men and then we end up pleasing men. David says here, praising God, glorifying him with thanksgiving will please him more than sacrifices. Thanksgiving, like I said, by using what he has given to us. Micah 6.8, what does God require? Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with him. Isaiah 66, God says, you'll esteem the one who is humble and contrite in spirit. Thanksgiving by what he has given to us and also in a heart of humility. When we set out to please man, we are trying to be the best, the most excellent. When we set out to please God, he is the most excellent. That's the difference here. 
Therefore, we approach what he has blessed us with in humility because we recognize we are not actually excellent. He is excellent. He alone is excellent. And from his excellence, he has blessed us and given to us. So then if we're trying to use that excellence to please man, man is most excellent. But if we're using that excellence to please God, we recognize he is excellent. I am not. I come humbly. I do my best humbly before holy and excellent God. Daniel's another example. 6 verse 3. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. An excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Was Daniel distinguished above all other officials because he was seeking the praise of man? Because he was trying to be the most excellent official for man? Or was he distinguished above all other officials because in him was an excellent spirit. We should aspire to be excellent from a heart rooted in absolute humility as we come closer to our creator. As he changes our hearts, as he makes us new. This process of sanctification and, and uh, living as the new creation, becoming more and more like him every day. Are we becoming more humble as we go along? Are we approaching him in more humility as we go along? John the Baptist said he must become greater. I must become less. Maybe you're not the best in the world at your trade or craft. Doesn't matter. Maybe nobody will ever read your poems or see your artwork or listen to your music. It doesn't matter. Maybe nobody will ever say thank you for being such a good listener and encourager. It doesn't matter. The world doesn't need to know your name. You need to know God's name. You need to recognize that he has blessed you with life and in that life with gifts and talents. Do your best to please him. Do your best to be excellent for him. And we can only do that if we approach him in a spirit of humility, recognizing that I'm not excellent, but he has placed an excellent spirit within me. His own spirit lives inside me. It's not about me anymore. It cannot be about me anymore. It cannot be about whatever I thought I was good at. It cannot be about my good works. It cannot be about my righteousness, of which there is none. It has to be about him. And so we need to please him. And lastly, we should worship God and not man. When somebody does excellence for the glory of God, our response should be just that, glorifying God. When we recognize excellence, excellence done for the glory of God, we should glorify God. We should worship God, not the man. We do not worship the person. We worship the author of excellence. 
Yes, maybe Bach wrote some of the most brilliant music ever, but do we worship Bach or do we worship the God who gave Bach the talent? Do we worship his music? No, we should worship the God who created music. Beethoven called Bach the immortal God of harmony. Debussy said of Bach, he's a benevolent God to which all musicians uh, should offer a prayer to defend themselves against mediocrity. Do you think this is how Bach would have wanted people to remember him? Does this sound like Soli Dio Gloria? It's an age-old problem we have with the sinful nature. We are wired to worship and celebrate the things of the world. That's how we're wired. That's our pre-regenerate hearts without Christ. Romans 1, 21 to 23. For though they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. See there? They neither glorified him, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. We are in danger of falling into this trap if we don't recognize the author of excellence. From whom excellence comes. Exodus 32, 2-4. Another example. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, I don't know why the sons are wearing gold earrings, and your daughters are wearing, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took them, they handed them, and made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Did they not just see the sea being opened for them? Did they not see the thunder and the clouds on Mount Sinai? Did they not see bread from heaven? Did they not see the fiery cloud in, uh, of smoke at night and in the day? Did they not see these things? And yet they made a calf. They made an idol out of gold, fashioned it with a tool. They put effort into this thing. This was man's excellence being glorified. Who were they worshipping there? Obviously not God, not in any stretch of the imagination. They were worshipping what they could make to be God. They were worshipping their image of God. They were worshipping their understanding of God. It had to do with them. It was their gold, their tools, their earrings, their craftiness, their beauty. These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Where is the humility? Where is the worship of God? Another example, Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, 7. The Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. Remember Samuel went to Jesse, and Jesse brought his sons, and all the handsome, tall, manly men came through, and God said, No, 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 no. Then Samuel said, Are there any more? Yes, the youngest of them. The young, handsome, ruddy David looking after the animals in the field. 
not the big, strong, kingly uh, image, but the little shepherd boy. And he says this, the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the, word, the Lord looks at the heart. See, we are naturally wired to worship man-made things. We do look at the outward appearance. Man does look at the outward appearance. And sometimes that's important because we need to present ourselves well. We need to present ourselves as one approved, you know, to the Lord. But also so that people can see, all right, you know, this guy's not looking shaggy and you know, <laughs> appalling. His heart might be in the right place, but hey, he needs a haircut. <laughs> you know, man looks at the outward appearance and we need to remember that. But equally, we need to remember that God is concerned with our heart condition. God is concerned with our hearts. And so while maybe man does look at the outward and that is important, where's the priority? Where's the focus? Who are we trying to please? Who are we worshipping? Are we worshipping man with the outside or are we worshipping God with the outside? Are we worshipping man with the inside or are we worshipping God with the inside? God is concerned with our hearts, our motives, our intentions, our loves, our focuses, etc. Maybe we are faithful believers and celebrate excellence. However, are we celebrating the excellent? Are we celebrating excellence? The person of excellence or the author of excellence? Who are we celebrating? Are we worshipping excellence? Are we worshipping the person of excellence? Or are we worshipping the God of excellence? We should worship God and not man. And this is where we need to be careful. Our worship should always be directed to him who is worthy of all worship. Yes, we can acknowledge excellence. We can see it. Man looks at the outward. We can think, wow, this guy is really good at sculpting. And we can admire the sculpture and all that. But do we worship the artwork? Or do we worship the sculptor? Or do we worship God? When we see excellence, we need to worship the author of excellence and nobody else. All things are given by him, including our gifts and talents. He has blessed us with his blessings. He has called us to his excellence. Therefore, our worship, our reverence, our awe, our acknowledgement of excellence should be reserved for him alone. It's about him. It's not about us. He should be our focus and our priority. We should aim to please him and not man. And therefore we should worship him and not man. Romans 11:36. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Is it from my parents that I'm a good sportsman? Because my dad helped me, you know, threw balls at me and I had to hit them every afternoon. Is it because my mother is a conductor of the orchestra that she forced me to practice musical instruments? Is it because I went to a fancy school where they taught me to read and write properly that I'm good? Or is it because from him and through him and to him are all things? It's about him, the author of excellence. We need to be excellent. Excellent. 
at what we do because he is excellent and he has given that to us. We can't do that without Christ because we don't want God. Without Christ, we're still in the sinful nature. But when we have Christ, we become reflectors of his glory and part of that is his excellence and that's why we need to be excellent. There is a witness of excellence and we cannot take it lightly. Amen. So to conclude, focus on God for he must be glorified in excellence. Why? He is excellent. He must be glorified in our excellence. Secondly, please God with excellence for he gives us our gifts and talents. Not you. Yes, you can practice and work at it. Fantastic. You are being excellent at what he has given you to do. Hard work and dedication. Absolutely. But that's because he's given it to you. It comes from him. And thirdly, worship God in excellence, for he is excellent. We worship him, not man. You know, we see so many examples of famous sports people or, or uh, inspirational uh, celebrities and leaders and all the rest of that. And people ask them, you know, what's the secret to your success? And it can be a whole lot of things, you know, lots of reading, lots of hard work, lots of dedication, listen before you speak, uh, things like that. You know, we've, we've all seen this from different people in different fields at different times. But fundamentally, they all miss the point of that. That is not the means to, you know, an end. What that is, working and listening and dedication, all the rest of it, that is doing simply your best at what God has given you to do. God has given you that. Why do we celebrate the process of becoming excellent and we don't celebrate the person who has given us that excellence? In fact, we go a step further. We celebrate the person who is excellent. And then we acknowledge their excellence because they worked at it. And then we kind of lose steam towards the side. We completely forget about the person who has given us the excellence, who has given us the gifts and talents. And so I want to encourage us this morning. We have a witness to we have a, a task rather to bear witness about the light. And that witness needs to also be a witness of excellence. As much as it is a witness of love, a witness of truth, a witness of righteousness, so too must it be a witness of excellence. We cannot be sloppy at what we do. If we truly believe that he is risen, we truly believe that he has changed our hearts. We truly believe that his spirit lives inside of us. We truly believe that we are building his kingdom. Then we need to truly believe in doing the best at what he has given us to do. For him. And for him alone. Amen. Amen.